0: I'm Chris, and I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games.
1: And today we talk about introducing new players to the game.
0: And as always, we will try to focus in on the roleplay so we can get better at it together. But before we dive too deep into this topic, I want to introduce you guys all to our special guest. You might know her from her. Uh, two shows on the Shared Experience Network, the Fifty Shades of Crimson Pathfinder live play, or the Tabletop Tavern, a discussion uh, similar to this, but with all kinds of guests from all over the tabletop RPG uh, world. So I'd like to introduce you to Gamer Mom Luna. Hello, Luna. Welcome to the show.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> We're very excited. I'm Ever since I guested on Tabletop Tavern, I have been really eager to have you on the show, and then my wife had our baby a month early. Gosh! And
2: <laughs> so I mean, what can you do?
0: <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Uh, but here we are. So I'm yeah, I'm really excited to talk, talk to you about role-playing games and and all that. So yeah, I'm looking that's... forward to it.
1: Well, so maybe before we we head too much into new player there, maybe you can talk about our listeners if 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 they don't know you yet about uh, your experience and maybe a little bit about chat experience and then we can jump into new players
2: sure uh let's see so i started playing ttrpgs um i was actually kind of a latecomer to them i was i was in my mid 20s when i started playing and um and i started with D&D 3.5 that was the current edition well it w- we were like bordering on 4 coming out when i started playing and um but the current edition was 3.5, and so that's that's what I cut my teeth on. And um, played with a group at home, uh, had a newborn. Actually, it was literally right after my daughter was born. And so we played with a group at home that was primarily my now ex-husband's friends. He had started the group, gotten the group together, um, and it was kind of one of these things where, you know— They would get together Sunday night, and I would put the baby to bed, and I'd go upstairs. And then it'd be Sunday night, I'd put the baby to bed, and I'd be reading a book in the living room. And, like, gradually getting a little bit closer to the table each week. And finally, one week, I just went, okay, I I need to see what this is all about. Um, Because I grew up in a household, like, we didn't have video games, we didn't, you know, we had board games, and that was about it. Board games and card games. And I hated them as a kid. Um, Absolutely hated them. Saw a lot of people playing magic. Kind of knew what that was about, but um, but uh, never knew anybody that played TTRPGs until I got to college and had a roommate who was a huge gamer, and um, so through her met other people who were gamers, and then started playing. Like I said, in my mid twenties, um, from there just played at home uh, for a good number of years uh, up until 2019, like the f- winter of 2019. Um, we had a steady group going almost the whole time, uh, even, like, I went through a divorce and we still kept playing D&D, not with my ex-husband, he moved away, but, um, you know, the rest of us still continued to get together and play almost weekly. And then, uh, in, uh, in the spring of 2019 is when I got into streaming TTRPG content um i started on a different channel than i'm on now um the channel now is no longer running um but got together answered a casting call actually and just kind of went oh this sounds like something new and different and you know i think i'd like to give it a try so i did um ended up falling in love with the streaming community the ttrpg community as a whole um you know like on twitter and twitch and uh started meeting a lot of really great people and then um, When that channel shut down, that was in August of 2020, so right after the pandemic, and I was like, oh my god, I don't want to lose this community that we've built, because we had a really, really awesome community around our our channel and our shows, and so a group of us that had been on several of the streams together banded together and started up what is now Shared Experience. We went live in October of 2020 with um, our first week of shows, and we've been going strong ever since. So. The majority of my playtime actually was in D&D 3.5 and then switched, we skipped 4th edition and then switched to 5th edition actually while well, it was still in playtesting. Um, we did some playtesting of that and then, um, and then I got involved with the stream and that's how I got into playing Pathfinder 1st edition and so from there I've actually been playing way more Pathfinder than anything else. Um, but I've also dabbled in other little systems here and there for various streams and fun and all kinds of stuff so that's that's me in a nutshell
0: (laughs) (laughs) how could you skip fourth edition everyone hates on it but it actually has a very special place in my heart you know i've heard
2: i've heard that (laughs) i've heard that a lot um and i know there's a lot of people that are now sort of coming around and saying like oh actually fourth edition wasn't too bad in this area or that area you know it's like sort of that After the fact, you're like, oh, that really wasn't so bad when we went through it, you know. Um, But I just didn't know anybody that played it. The group that I played with never picked it up. And Mm. I didn't, I knew how to play 3.5, but I didn't know enough about, like, TTRPGs as a whole to say, like, oh, yes, this is good, or no, this isn't. Um, So I had no basis to compare it on. So my opinion of it was all whatever anybody else thought. I was just kind of like, all right, whatever yeah um, well, I
0: feel like my opinion was just because it was one of the first times that I game mastered a game mastered fourth edition so uh, it can it can do no wrong, you know it it was my first love, so it, it it's gonna yeah
2: <laughs> I get that too because I think that's why I like Pathfinder first edition so much is because it's very similar to d and d three point five
0: mm-hmm. and and I think this actually if you'll permit me guys, i'm gonna segue I think this is a great place to segue because when you start. With a with a game, it has a very I think a very impression. It it makes a good and strong impression on you as a tabletop role player or as a as a person. And I think that that segues nicely into our topic of today, which is talking about new players and introducing new players to the game, playing with people who are less experienced in the game, and if there are things that we need to consider or or things that we should. You know, as a game master or as a player, keep in mind when playing with new players or not. Mm. Um so I, I guess we'll start off with some personal anecdotes, maybe. I I don't know if we want to start there and then dive deeper into the philosophy of it. But maybe I'll I'll pass the pass the ball over to you, Chris. Uh what's your experience playing with new players?
1: Um, new players. Um, I haven't played a lot with um players that are new to the hobby i've played with new players as in like a new group and even that there's a lot of style that you need to consider there's a lot of um expectation that's a, that's
0: a good point maybe we should we should have that caveat in people who are new to the hobby i think is is the target audience here that we're talking about right
1: yeah 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 exactly i think i think so but i think i th- i mean we can make it as broad as we want but like um We'll see where the discussion brings us, but yeah, the intent was was the to talk about new players to the hobby, but yeah, so this is the it's a, its own beast, but new players to the hobby I'm actually thinking a lot about it right now because uh, I have my nephews coming next week, and I'm gonna run for them, and one of them has a little bit of of background played maybe once maybe twice by next week uh but he what's funny about it is that he's he's like eleven but his dad brought, bought him the, like, almost like, uh, I guess it's preteen books, which are all the races, all the classes, a bunch of artifacts, a bunch of, like, dungeon terms. There's no rule. It's, it's basically a, an encyclopedia of, like, D&D things without cool. the game around it.
0: That is very cool. Is that so, is that the book by J- Jim Zub? I, I do know. know.
1: It's it's like a series of books. you can buy like the whole bundle of books I guess but like he showed me the other day and it's funny like he like I said he played once or twice but he was like talking to me about like oh, I'd like to be a tiefling rogue and like he knew all the stuff right he read it like he's the kind of guy that like knows all the pokemons because he's studying and like he knows facts about so so he already knows so much about D&D without even playing so that's that's cool for that, but still now I have to make it the experience of d and D game, and I've been prepping the game, and it's funny because I've been game mastering for a, a, quite a while and extensively, like especially lately, but I haven't game mastered D and D yet. That is weird for someone like me, I know, but like I've game mastered a lot of things, but uh, but obviously he knows that. But I've been Going back to, like, the, the big cliche and being like, well, it reminds me of the, I don't know if you guys watch How Much Your Mother, but there's an episode where, like, Robin needs to break up with a kid. And she's like, I can use all the tropes. He doesn't know better. And <laughs> that's kind of how I feel with this. I'm like, I, I want to, like, I never started a tavern with the blacksmith daughter being kidnapped and fighting goblins in the dungeon. But, like, I want to do all of that
2: now.
0: That's awesome. And when, when are you guys playing this week? Like, coming up soon?
2: Uh, Tuesday, I think, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so much fun. Uh, i I didn't I, I didn't really start actually with any tropes when I got into d and d. And I don't typically dm, but I have played with a lot of new players. And it is really interesting to see, like, who comes into it with the mindset of like, this is how it's going to go, being like, we're all going to meet in a tavern, and it's going to be the blacksmith's daughter who gets kidnapped and that sort of thing. Um, and who comes into it? Um, I don't want to say, like with a with a base knowledge, but like, with the with an understanding, I guess, is a better way to say it, that it may not be that way all the time. Um And I think really, the difference that I've seen in those people is the first category, the people who expect it to be the tropes all the time and that sort of thing, are the people I think who who I have encountered that are like casual fans, like they know of it. You know, maybe they've watched How I Met Your Mother, they've seen all of that stuff in the media, um, whereas the people who come into it expecting it to be a little bit different are the people who might have stumbled on a TTRPG stream on Twitch, or for some reason have more knowledge, or, you know, maybe they listen to an actual play podcast or something like that without actually having played it, um we actually have a a moderator on our channel who's never played a TTRPG but moderates a couple of our streams and as such has a good understanding of the basic mechanics of a lot of these games and through hanging out with a lot of us now knows like not to expect this or that or the other thing you know so
0: that's That's actually super cool Luna because that's like the opposite of my experience with new players um mm-hmm. I've only ever had people that no zero to like a tiny bit of what they saw on like com- the community episode of Dungeons and Dragons or you know some something like this and yeah. i'm i'm really interested to see how those two different quote unquote audiences how they differ when they get onboarded and i'd le- I, i'm i'm really curious to hear uh, as we have the conversation if if you have any of those experiences to to kind of dig into them because that's really neat Ah, uh, for me, it's it's often been with my coworkers. I was always known as the Dungeons and Dragons Guy at work. Back years ago, when I used to work with a lot of students, I would you know, I'd hire a bunch of students and they'd be tour guides for like various attractions in my in my town. And on Friday nights, we would stay in the office and play Dungeons and Dragons, and i would I would game master for them. And oftentimes they were like, "Oh, cool. I've seen this once on a TV show." I want to give it a shot. And they'd play once or twice, they'd get a kick out of it, and then they probably would never... Like, I don't know if they ever played again. I don't, I don't even keep in touch with them. But mm. it, was, uh, it was a completely different experience where they knew nothing about the rules, they knew nothing about the classes. They maybe, like, figured, oh, I can be a knight in shining armor, or I can, be a, I can be like a Harry Potter-type wizard or something like this. And that was kind of their... How they came into the game. And I'm not saying this to knock anybody. Like, if anything, some of the most creative things that I've ever seen in a game came from people that had no expectations of the game whatsoever. Um but yeah that's kind of where I'm coming from for this conversation today.
2: I love when you get people who are coming in though with no expectations. Um I've talked to people who have DM'd for kids and you know and one of the things that they always say is that they love DMing for kids because kids are so creative. They don't let themselves be constrained by, you know, oh, the mechanics won't let me do that, or, you know, that sort of thing. They're just willing to say, like, this is my solution, let's make it work, you know, and I think that's true of a lot of new players, too, when they come in, is they're not, they're not constrained by that, you know, knowledge. They don't have that knowledge of this, you know, isn't supposed to work, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the rules say you can't do it this way. Um, because really, yes, there's a set of rules, but ultimately it's up to the, the DM in the party if it's going to work or not. So, so I love, I, I actually really enjoy playing with new players for just that reason, because they sort of force me to look at, um, like, oh my god, I've been playing it this way for so long. How did I, it never even occur to me that I could do it that way? Or, you know, that sort of thing. I just love seeing sort of the new ideas that can come out of playing with a new player.
1: Yeah, and, and while while you guys were talking about that, it reminded me the fact that I I did game master for new for my uh, stepmom and my stepsister like I don't know like two three years ago, and it was the experience you guys are talking about of like they have no expectations, so they come up with weird things. And I remember my my stepmother being like, "Oh, I'll I'll try whatever," but she it took a while, like because we were playing Fate, we were like creating the world, so she, like. We were like talking in book terms, almost like, okay, well, we'll write the world building of a book. And now she was fine. But when we came down to the the rules, it took it took a couple of maybe maybe I don't know, like half an hour. And 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 then she got into like, okay, now I get it. I can do whatever I want. And I remember her being like talking to me like two, three days after and be like, I'm dreaming about this stuff. Like I'm dreaming about like almost like a touch imagination in a way that. Like, her reading books would never, so, it like, she was really surprised by this new dimension that she was hit. And and something that I, I, I thought a lot about then and I think a lot about now is the fact that because they are so imaginative and, I guess, it's their first experience, um, I, t- I tend, parentheses, I tend to be a pretty strict game master in terms of rules. Because we play like a game that are like, like three, we've been playing the same game for like three years. So I feel like I, for consistency's sake, I need to be pretty strict with the rules. Uh, that's just my my style. But with new players, I know that I'll have to be like really working with them to make their idea work and not sh- shutting them down. So I almost have to change my game master's style so that it's... It, They don't, you know, have that great experience of... They don't want to maybe, like, I'll kill three goblins at once and something like that. And I'll be like, no, you can't do that. You know, it's impossible to do that. Like, so you have to almost uh, play in the the, the sandbox with them of, like, imagination more than what I I do, which is more, like, I guess, rule-based normally for me.
0: So what you're saying, Chris, is if I want to do something really crazy... I need to invite somebody to the table that's never played before, right? <laughs> I
1: mean, that's a that's a good way of trying it, I guess. But I'm not sure I'm going to let you do do these. But uh, yeah, now we come to like mixing new players and other players in consistency, and that's not where I was going. But
0: yeah, well, well, you you make me think of an interesting question. So with that, I'll pass it to you, Luna. Um, in games with new players that you've Game Mastered or you've been a player in, do you feel like the Game Master at the table has been different? And and in what way? Or should they be different, if that's never happened?
2: Yeah, well, yes and no. Um, I think, uh, usually the games— uh, let me start by saying, the games that I have played with new players mostly have been, like, a one-shot, not really an ongoing campaign. Um... And so I may have, like, you know, a DM, you know, a different DM each time when that happens. Um, that said, though, I, I actually, I think that there's an extent where a DM has to be a little different, and it may be more along the lines of helping a new player understand the rules or the mechanics or here's why that doesn't work or here's why that does work or here's why this happens this way um i'm a firm believer in just about anything that understanding the why is really really important so if you're playing with a new player i think it's really helpful if you can s- explain and when i say you that can be either the dm or another player if you can explain the why around a certain mechanic works the way it does or um why something fails or succeeds when it does i just i feel like that's really helpful to understanding the game better and being able to become a better player in the long run so i do to some extent think that a dm and even to uh, to a lesser extent, the players need to be a little bit different when they're playing with a new player. But it's more so in that regard and less so in maybe the type of characters that they make or the type of encounters that people come into. Um, I, I don't think that—I I, I actually really don't think that a game should be, quote-unquote, like, dumbed down when there's a new player. Um, they're in it for the experience, they joined it because there was some something about the idea of playing that they wanted, and so, I think by dumbing it down, it, you're actually doing them a disservice. <laughs> um, so, I would rather see a DM do, like, their full thing and, and, like, throw the hard enemies at everybody, and then explain along the way things that may need some additional explanation. Um, whereas when you're at a table with all experienced players, you may not have to stop uh, for that reason mm,
0: that's an interesting perspective i I wonder how much of it is impacted by uh, like like you mentioned you're you're playing with people who have a pretty strong, solid baseline understanding of the game because I would be worried of like scaring people away i especially because oftentimes when I have new players, I want to say half. Half of them actually wanna be there. And then the other half are like kinda maybe there out of pity <laughs> or like oh my, you know, my boyfriend really wants to play or my girlfriend really wants to play. So I guess I'll tag along for the experience. So for me, when I'm playing like like I'm I'm planning a game for one of my old coworkers and the reason they wanna play is because had a conversation in the backyard with a beer in our hand just chatting and they're like hey matt like you like you like dungeons and dragons and stuff like that like isn't that like super number crunchy and like all these rules and this and that i'm like well it doesn't have to be if that's not what you want it to be it can be more it can be more fantastic it can be more improv it can be more like theater club if that's what you want and so with that they're coming into it with the expectation that it's not going to be rule-heavy. It's not going to be, like, picking at nails. It's not going to be tracking inventory and managing time and, and and all of that. And because of that, I'm being super conscious in my prep to make the game you know, catered to the things that they voiced that they wanted. Um, so I would be worried that if I played the way I normally play and game mastered the way that I normally game master, they might be turned off by the experience and never touch a tabletop RPG again. That That's a genuine fear that I have.
2: I think that's a really good point, point. Um, and I think, to that point, that's why the, there's the wonderful thing of, uh, a, you know, maybe not necessarily using D&D. You know, there's a lot of great TTRPG systems that are very rules and mechanics light. Um, Quest RPG, for example, if you've never looked at that one, great for people who want RP heavy and not a lot of mechanics and uh, not a lot of dice to keep track of. Uh, it's a really, really great little system that, um, I, you know, I played that for a one shot and uh, my character, I rarely, rarely play mages um in dungeons and dragon first thing i gravitated to because it wasn't like okay so i need to have this many d6s to cast fireball and this sort of thing no the casting was all done on a d20 success or fail you know based on the role and then you know if i succeeded the spell basically looked like whatever i wanted it to look like um in this case the character was a kind of an illusionist and so uh the the way the dm described it was um my character basically was like a, a magical Photoshop. Um, so, you know, I might say, okay, so I, I make a little frame with my hands and I sort of expand it out so that I get the whole thing that I want to I wanna change the color of and then I just go poof and the color changes. And um, And so it was great because it was exactly the way I wanted it to look as a spellcaster not the way the rules said it had to look.
1: That's cool. And I think I think what you two are, are saying, I think, it are like, complementary in terms of like, um, having what, what I'll say, I think all of that can be under the umbrella of adjusting to the audience, right? Because I, I I hear what Luna's saying about like, if they're there because they want to play D&D, then it makes sense to run D&D as it's supposed to be. Yeah. If they're there for something else, then maybe you can adjust the system even. Uh, for instance, my issue right now that uh, um, regarding this is that I have, like I said, my nephew who knows everything about it. He's expecting D D. He's played once, so I'm I I would probably normally run Fate, which is rule mm-hmm. light, role play. I can that's what I did with my my in laws. Work perfectly for someone who doesn't want to. Lo- Basically, we start and I I'll deal with the rules as we go, but. Because he's expecting D&D, so if they're there for the experience, you want to run that. But then there's my dad who's going to be there, and my dad has trouble with the rules of Takenoko. Um, so, like, really light board games, we play with him, and it's, it's, it's difficult, right? So I, I'll have to make sure that... So my idea was to color code the character sheet. Like, I was going to put, like, armor class in green and the skills in blue and there's the same some, not to interrupt again. you
0: Chris but there's some really great
1: um, No I know there's that there's that that's already exists basically yeah,
0: right? but, yeah you um, can find some cool ones I wish I had an artist that I could shout out but I can't remember
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> but, but yeah I've, I've seen that in the past and that's where the, the idea I, I I don't pretend that's my idea right I was like I've seen that before and my idea is that instead of saying like what's your armor class dad which is going to be like where on this pile of numbers is my armor class I can be like, where's your armor class? It's the number in blue. And then for him, it's not a big deal, right? He doesn't. So uh, especially since he doesn't really speak English, then I'll have like, you know, so there's a lot of tailoring. Well, I guess the English part is another issue that's not really about new players, but like, <laughs> so it depends. So I guess if we want to wrap this and maybe like kind of a tip of for, for listeners, uh, I think it's about knowing your audience, right? Uh, knowing are they there for D and D to hang out, are they just for the role play curiosity, just because their significant other is at the table? I think all of that has an effect, and you can also just not care at all and just run your game and hope they're going to like it. Obviously, but it's kind of like something you could pay attention to if you'd like to adjust your game for them. I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I and I really like to to circle back to something that Luna said. I agree a hundred percent. There are so many great systems out there for new players. You mentioned Quest. Uh, I like using fate accelerated. It's so mm-hmm. easy. Character creation is like two minutes, you're done. Let's go. Let's let's get dice rolling. Let's let's put on funny accents or or role play or whatever. It's it's a lot of fun. Um okay, cool, great. Uh I don't know if that has anything else to say about that, or if we can circle over to I have another question that I've i've thought i'm
1: good i'm good
0: all right let's go so let we talked a little bit about having new players having experienced players do you guys have a preference uh between like mixing and matching is there like a ratio that you think is good and why why that is i'll I'll, I'll throw it to luna first
2: oh thanks (laughs) um
0: (laughs) you can throw it back
2: yeah. Uh, no it's fine. I so I've done a little of both. I've played with uh I don't want to say I it's been a very long time since I've played with a table of all new players. Um the I, I and when I say a very long time we're talking like more than 10 years. Um but I have done a lot of over the last couple of years a lot of sort of mixed tables, you know, maybe one or two new people with another one or two veterans and then a veteran DM. Um And I actually, I like mixing new players with veterans for a couple of reasons. One, um, sort of as I got to before, uh, it's great for people who have been playing a while to see how a new player approaches a situation. Um, But at the same time, it's also really nice for the new players to have people who know the rules, who know the system, who know, uh, you know, how things are quote-unquote supposed to work. Um, because I feel like, not that it carries the new player, but it helps them feel a little more confident in what they're doing. At least it does for me, and that's how I remember it when I was a new player, is, is playing with people who knew the rules helped me get more confident in understanding the rules. Um, because it wasn't just a bunch of us trying to read a book and go, okay, does this, like, how does this work again? And how, you know, um, I am not somebody who can read a book and retain that type of information i have a ton of the D books and a couple other you know books for for ttrpgs i cannot sit down and read it i will not retain it i won't um i have to actually play through it and so i need people around me to help me understand the system um i it's it's just what makes it easier for me and so in my experience i've seen that work for other people um just in the course of trying to mix you know new players and and the other thing too that's really nice is then they meet people who can then introduce them to other new players who can then you know it just kind of helps mm-hmm. build the community a little bit that way um and and that's the part that i really like is is uh you know when i get to introduce you know friend a to friend b and then friend b says oh my gosh i know a group that you might really like and so friend b introduces that other friend to his group of friends or her group of friends and and next thing you know like they've got a whole campaign going or whatever it may be and and so uh i think that i think that mixing them in my experience has has usually worked out for the best
1: Why are you mad
0: I I I'm not going to repeat everything cuz I agree 100%. It's <laughs> if I if I was given my ideal scenario, it would be almost like a 50/50 split of new to experienced players. Um and, and maybe you know what I said I was going to talk too much. Oh, my baby's crying. Chris, what how about you, Chris? <laughs> uh
1: so um yeah, I think for me it's 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 difficult because uh I think I, I kind of see it as two different things. For a one shot, I would like to do almost. I I like to have new players, even all new players. It's fine because everybody starts like basically what's what I'm going to do next week. Almost, it's nice to have like maybe one person who can like almost assist me. Uh, my wife will be there. She played a a, a little bit, um, but for my campaign, ah man. I have introduced new new players and I feel like my campaign is like structured in a way like all my players have expectation there's like you know it's like a greedy real real realistic I don't know it's like a grim world of warhammer and it's it's there's a lot of tension there's a lot of stakes the stakes are high for everybody at the table and if I bring a new player with very different expectation if they're there to goof a little bit on a one shot, I don't care. We'll embrace it. We'll throw fireballs everywhere or whatever we want to do. If it's serious, it's serious. If it's goofy, it's goofy. But in my campaign, I I feel a little bit different about it. I feel like I need to brief them. Uh, I did that in both of my campaigns, and like it's like important to sit them down, expectation session zero of like here's what we're doing, here's the 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 um, the vibe we're going for, the the ambience, the team, and Here's the, the, the part that is open. Like Here's the, the, the range you can go from there to there. We're not gonna have a clown in something that's supposed to be... It's gonna ruin the fun for everybody that's already there and established in the world. So I, if I'm gonna introduce new players, it's either gonna be outside of my main campaign or if it's gonna be my main campaign, I'll, I'll need to vet them and brief them
0: yeah you, you bring up an interesting point and i think that would be also intimidating i think right like i i can only i can only speak for myself but if i had never played a role-playing game before and one of my close friends was like hey i've got a table we meet every other week we've been playing the same group has been playing for four years it's this gritty realistic serious game do you want to come you want to come join us i'd be like no thanks like as much as i want to try this out that's that's probably not the place for me to start. And no matter how welcoming and open the game master would be to having me join them, I would probably feel uncomfortable doing it. Um, but maybe that's yeah, it just kinda, it.
1: Kind of happened in in our game, right? Like one of our it, the friend that joined played a while back, like second edition of D anD D, hadn't played for a long time. So I mean, it's not a new player. He gets the idea, but still. When he got in, because we were really, like, with role play and role play scenes and uh, we had, like, very – everybody knew – it's almost like a dance, right, between all the players. And he got there, and I think for the first two or three games, he was pretty quiet. He was listening, taking in, okay, okay, that's the cue, that's the vibe, that guy is there, okay. And then he started progressively join in. But, like, because the point was to bring him as a standing, like, Character, like always to be there. But like for a, like joining for one or two games, I feel like you don't have the time to do mm-hmm. that adjustment. So it's, it's, it can be quite daunting. Yeah, for sure.
0: um One thing that I was going to say before my newborn baby brutally interrupted me um, <laughs> w- was that I find role play specifically to be like we talked about rules and we talked about how it's mm-hmm. good to have experienced players at the table to help. Uh, the game master teaches the game to the players, but I also feel like role play means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, you know, when a new player comes to the table, sometimes their understanding and their level of comfort to act in first person as a character or to uh, put on a, a different voice or a different persona at the table isn't always something that they're comfortable doing but as soon as they see like i've I've seen this before where as soon as they see one other person do it they're like oh okay like the ice is broken and they embrace it fully um this happened a lot with when i had a table of completely new players like the whole table was new players and as soon as i came out with an npc who was like drastically ridiculous and really set the momentum going of like this is what you can do if you want to do it then people started to like come out of their shell a little bit and i had wished that i had planted somebody like i'd planted one or two experienced players in the game just for them to do that and to kind of have them interact with the npc and have the back and forth or even have an experienced player interact with another experienced player just to kind of show off I don't want to say show off, but like to set the stage for what other people could do if that's what they wanted to do. Um, and I think this is another place where actual play podcasts are a real big benefit to the community mm-hmm. in that sense. Because if you're watching Critical Role, if you're watching uh, any of the Dimension 20 games, if you're watching any of the you know grassroots actual play shows, and maybe Luna, you have, you have some insight on this from being in one. Um, I feel like that really helps people get onboarded into the hobby.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, we have a we have a moderator on our channel over at Shared Experience who literally knew nothing about TTRPGs, and uh, just because he was enthusiastic about our channel and the people that were involved, he said, uh, "If you need a if you need a moderator for the channel, let me know. I'm on board." and over the course of him literally being there for just about every stream uh since october he has learned quite a bit and um you know has watched a lot of our uh a lot of our actual play content and i know i recommend um several different podcasts to people on the regular basis of actual play podcasts uh because um they're you know the to the the two that I recommend the most use two different systems. One's a uh, Pathfinder first edition. One's D and D five e. And and you know, as I find other ones that you know I also really like, uh, you know, I I will recommend those to people as well, because I think that that helps people see like this is how you can take the rules and apply them in a way that is entertaining and fun and and you know, I I know there have been times just in listening. You know, like I said, I've, uh, I've been playing Pathfinder for about two and a half years now, Pathfinder First Edition, and the podcast that I listen to that uses uh, Pathfinder actually just released its campaign finale this week, and uh, even through listening to them, I learned a lot about just how, you know, how to play Pathfinder better. Mm-hmm. Um, or same thing with D&D 5e, I learned how to, you know, how to use... Uh, you know, if I wanted to use a magic user, for example, how do I do that better than what I already understand it to be? So I do agree that listening to a, you know, a podcast or or watching a stream or, you know, regardless of who it is, it can be critical role right down to, you know, the streamer that has five people in chat. Um, once you find one that kind of speaks to you, I I say just dive in and, and go for it, you know, give them a listen and um I think that there is content out there, either in podcast form or or stream form. However, uh, people choose to take in that content, I think there really is something out there for everyone that wishes to try it out. Um, it's just a matter of finding finding the one that's you know the best fit for you. Do you want something serious? Do you want something funny? Uh, do you want something that's a mix of the two? Um, but I think it's a great way for people to get into. Into it, and then, also, too, to see that there's a bunch of different ways getting back to to like the actual role play piece. It's a great way to see that there's a bunch of different ways, ways to role play. There's no one way that's correct. Um you know, you don't have to do a voice. You don't have to do an accent. You don't have to do anything. you know, um, mm-hmm. some of the places that I listen, you know, it's just people doing their regular voice saying, my character does this, or, you know, they'll have a conversation using their regular voice. Some people will use uh, voice modulators to maybe do, like, a robotic voice or something like that. But, um, you know, like I said, there's really, there's something out there for everybody, and um, I think if people are willing to look for it, they'll find something that really kind of speaks to them and helps them better understand the game.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if there's... um. Kind of like a montage of something to show to a new player of actual play because I'm not like asking someone who hasn't played yet. Like, again, there's some people that want to get into it, right? And then yeah. actual play podcasts are perfect. But sometimes someone that I'd like to almost like um, jumpstart, I like to show a little bit of it and maybe of different things and not necessarily have. Okay go listen to this for 17 hours and then we can play right uh so it's it's a great introduction and i think a lot of people right now are being introduced introduced because of all these actual play but yeah i I'd, I'd love to have and maybe it's it already exists but like i'd love to have the almost like a condensed version that i could show to new players to have them being interested and then go go watch their
0: their thing and I we'll think ask, like we'll ask Twitter, Chris. We'll, we'll figure it out. Twitter. We'll find it. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'm sure there's it. something that exists.
2: If there's I'm, not, maybe you'll just have to make it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And yeah, and I think I think it is like role play is. I mean, even for veteran players, sometimes it, it is kind of awkward at the beginning of a game. So it makes sense that someone who doesn't know what it's all about is. And I think something to tell the new players is that it's fine if you role play in third person fine if you just describe what you're what you're doing but i find that sometimes that's not even the issue the issue is making the decision right it's like you giving open options because it's so open it takes a while to like you know work the muscle of actually committing to a decision and not being like well i don't know if i do this what happens if i do this what happens happens and you have to be like i don't know we'll roll the dice like you know it's it's making that decision and committing to it is actually a very hard thing to do for some people some people just get it right away right like the the play aspect of it but sometimes it's almost it's 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 kind of like they might be nervous of messing up which is not really a thing in, in in like role playing games or i mean it is but like most of the time, it's not right. You can fail and still be part of the story as an awesome aspect of it. So it's, but they don't necessarily see that. They see that as like, oh, am I going to fail the board game? And am I going to fail because they they're not experienced? So you have to almost again when we talk about briefing them of like, here's the spirit of the game. Just commit. You can describe third person. You don't have to take a weird voice. You. If you want to come with the costume, do. You don't have to. Um, you know that. That kind of stuff and I think it comes down to playing about player agency a little bit of like how do you give player agency to a, a, a new player who maybe not, is not used to having it
0: yeah there, there's really only so many mediums I, I think tabletop RPGs are literally the greatest medium to allow players to make their own decisions and take the story whichever way they want right even in an open world video game even in uh choose your own adventure book you you know you name it any of the other hobbies that are like adjacent to tabletop rpgs i feel like they need to be scripted out they need to be they need to be planned a video game needs to have somebody program it so when you have a new player i i like that you talked about that like paralysis almost of if they're if they're in front of a situation and you're just like, okay, the blacksmith came in, he was upset that his daughter got stolen, but he doesn't know where, where the goblins went. What do you do now? They, they might sit there for a really long time, not sure what to do. Especially if it's a table of everybody's new. They're, they're, they're looking for a lead. So you might have to, I, I don't know, I, in my experience, I find it's better to railroad quite a bit with new players. While still allowing them the freedom of making their own choices, but you know it's it's in a smaller, more micro environment, and then as they get more and more comfortable with their character, with the setting, with the narrative, then you kind of open up. um Luna, it looks like you have something to say.
2: Oh no, uh, no okay. i was <laughs> I was just listening very intently.:
0: <laughs> Yeah, so so anyway, that that that's I feel like I touched on a lot of things, so maybe i'll I'll reel it back. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about player agency because Chris, you you brought it up. Um, Luna, do, do you feel like new players have a harder time taking their own agency? Is that like maybe a loaded question? I don't I don't know. But
2: <laughs> oh, speaking from personal experience, I can say for me, yes. Uh, I was definitely somebody that had a very hard time taking my own player agency um, and really feeling comfortable doing. You know, what I wanted my character to do Uh Um, the more comfortable I got With the game, the more comfortable I got with the people I was playing with, the better I got About doing things on my own Um To the point that Uh, I, uh The last Home game that I played before I started Streaming, um, had a DM that Is notorious for Not allowing players to do what they want Uh, he was a pro At railroading which is great if you have new players who really need a scripted game. Um but we were not new players <laughs> and we did not need a scripted game. And um and it would just get very very frustrating for everybody. So so that was a challenge. Um the uh I I do think that um you know, it's it's good for players to sort of feel like they have some agency, but it's even better if you have a DM who can make it feel like players have agency without giving them too much that they feel overwhelmed. If that makes sense, um,
0: mm-hmm. it, yeah. it makes complete sense. Uh, and, and actually, I I I promised myself I wouldn't get too much into this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think, and we talked about this in our episode, it was a long time ago, where we talked about Railroad and Sandbox and the spectrum that Game Masters should try to... You know, these things live on a spectrum, right? It's very rare that you're going to find a game that's 100% one thing. Um. And just because a game narratively is linear, or, or in terms of storyline, the Game Master kind of has his agenda or her agenda, and they push the story along in a certain railroad, it doesn't mean that within the carts of the train the players don't have the freedom to run around however they want. And, and and in that analogy, I think, especially with new players, it's my preference to run a game that's very railroaded, but still give players the agency to solve the problems that I give them the way they want to. So it's if I have one piece of advice for people listening, if you're running a game for new players, is railroad all you want. Just don't have predetermined solutions for the things that you're... You know, that you're putting in front of your players. So yes. you're building the track, but you're still letting them have the agency to be like, you know what? I, I'm going to go see the wizard at the college because my master wizard might have something that can help us solve this riddle. And you're like, wow, I didn't even... Think of that. Sure, let's see where this takes us, and then loop it back to the to the train track that you've already set. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think that's the biggest issue that I personally have run into is is DMs that have a predetermined outcome regardless of what you do. Um, and and I, I I have the same issue with video games when your decision doesn't matter. It's like, what's the point? So. Immediately at that point, uh, if I get stuck in a game where I feel like that's happening, I just lose all interest. And I think, again, it goes back to the idea that new players, a lot of new players, will have very out-of-the-box ideas for how to solve issues. That if you have a predetermined outcome, I think that's going to be a far larger turnoff than almost anything else that could happen at the table for a new player.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah and
1: absolutely. It, and it, it removes the whole magic of it, like the whole like you set the situation and you think something that surprises you, and maybe it removes a whole encounter. And you're like, as a game master, you can panic, right? You can be like, "Oh my god, well, uh, this will finish too early, or I don't have enough time, or blah blah blah." But then you have to trust about your improvisation skill a little bit. But it's it's easy when you start, I think, to see that like as a failure as a game master of like oh they went around and they the 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 you know they, they devised a plan that just destroyed my um the problem i set in front of them well that's they're they're gonna feel great if i would even say that to them and be like you guys you 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 got me you got me there and like new players would be like really oh that's great like i and then you can improvise other things other challenges that are also interesting so, yeah, I think we're all saying the same thing of, like, define maybe the problem quite clearly. So it's not, I know Matt, Matt Covell has a great episode on, on, on verbs, you know, like, don't say, like, investigate this town because that's horrible for new players. Say you need to save that person. You need to retrieve that thing that is at that location, you know, like, really clear objective. They're going to jump on it. I don't think new players will be like, nah, we're not doing this. We're going to the mountain, to the west. Like, I would be very, very surprised if they, if they just, you know, let go. Uh, they, they don't pay attention to your plot hook. I think that's more of a veteran experience uh, player problem where they feel a little bit what you said, Luna, like their decision don't matter. So that they're just like, well, we're not going to go where you want me to go. We're going to go to the other way because what you set up there is not interesting to us. Because that's not where we want to go, you know. Right. So for new players, it's define the thing and then don't tell them how to do it or what's going to happen, and just roll with the punches. There you go. Anything else, guys? You yeah, talk I was gonna. Players?
0: I was yeah. W- real quick, I was gonna just kind of throw this out there and see if you guys had had answers. I'm not even sure what my answer is to this, but you know, we talked a little bit about things. Adjacent to having new players on the table and and experiences related to that. But what would you guys say to a game master or a player who is going to be playing? Like, almost advice. Or, you know, the the number one thing that you think we as members of this tabletop RPG community should keep in mind when we're introducing this hobby to somebody for the first time.
2: I know this. I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) The first piece of advice that I give to everybody is have fun. This is about having fun. And if you're not having fun, then you need to figure out why. Um, you know, it maybe it's not. Maybe TTRPG is not for you. And, but it's great that you tried it. And kudos to you for trying something new and different. Um, and that's okay, because it really isn't for everybody. But um, the number one thing that I think is easy to forget sometimes is that this is a game and it's meant to be enjoyed with your friends. And uh if you're not having fun then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> that's my that's my biggest piece of advice for any new player <laughs> or any seasoned player. <laughs>
1: uh for me, I think it it goes at the same thing but I think it's it's more a state of mind of like I think I would say to them to to the new players um don't be passive. This is not a passive uh, medium. This is not watching TV. This is not reading a book. This is not. You're not there to hear the game master tell you what's happening. You're there to make something happen. You know, like he's there also, like he or she or they are there to make something happen as game master, but you're there too. You're a player, so don't be passive. Uh, make decision, commit, and communicate what you want. Like sometimes. They arrive at the table, they have expectations, but they don't tell you that. Right. And then it's really hard to meet those expectations when they don't tell you what they want. And maybe they don't, it's hard to know what they want. But I, I, by what they want, I almost, I guess it's also like, what, what do you expect? You know, like uh, they often have an idea of like, oh, I feel like we're going to kill monsters. Right. And that's something like I wrote to my, um, I, I texted my, my stepbrother who game mastered for my nephew, and I told him, Does he like to kill monster, get artifact? Does he like to like role play? Does he like to be more clever than the enemies? Uh, Is it the magic that appeals to him? What are the aspects of the game that, from the game you play with him, he really, really liked? And he told me he really loves talking about his character and his background. Okay, well, we'll create a character with him. We'll make a great background and we'll make the story attached to that because that's what he wants. If he had told me he wants to kill monsters, and that's a whole different game right there. You know, so, like, it's about, if you're able to do it, I mean, maybe it's going to take a game or two, but if we talk about maybe even uh, end-of-game debrief. So, anyway, so don't be passive and say what you want.
0: Guys, this is such good advice. I don't know how to, I don't know how to follow, follow up. <laughs> but um, maybe, maybe I'll take it from a different angle. We'll take it from, like, a... Uh, uh... If you're a game master who's running a game for new players and you've never run a game for new players before, I think there's things to be said with what Chris said and what Luna said, but I'll also add, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself as the game master Mm -hmm. just because they're new players. I I know before I said, like, oh, it's something that I do. I, I know that I definitely put too much pressure on myself when I'm playing with new players because I feel like I'm gonna be their gateway make-or-break point for them to come into the hobby, and I think if I could go back and tell myself something, it would be don't just go have a good time being a game master like you normally do when you're being a game master. You know, keep in mind the fact that these people have never played before. Keep in mind that they might need a little bit more, uh, a little bit more help navigating the game, but don't don't go losing sleep over this. Just have a good time. And they're gonna they're gonna pick up on that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my my advice, I suppose. And Ooh. with that, I don't know if there's anything else we wanted to talk about. We're we're about at an hour, I think. We're, we're at fifty minutes. Uh, Chris, was there anything that you wanted to touch on? No, I
1: think I feel I feel good. I feel like uh, I got some uh, some issue out of me in terms of like like you know <laughs> next next week's game. I feel like I got good tips. I'm ready. I'm ready to go.
0: How about, how about you Luna Did, was there anything else that's been like at the back of your head with regards to new players that you wanted to bring up and feel free we can go as long as we want <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um I don't think so. Uh I was trying to think if there was any other like last thoughts that I had as far as as far as new player advice but I think actually for um uh going back to what Chris was just saying, uh, for DMs, um, and for having players speaking up for what they want, uh, don't be afraid either as a player or a DM to ask for a session zero or to ask for like a check-in session if you need it. I think that's really important to make sure that everybody's on the same page with where the game is going, uh, if, especially if it's a long-term campaign um to make sure that everybody's in- still enjoying it that we're not hitting on any topics that you know might be uncomfortable for people um or you know just to make sure that everybody's still enjoying being part of the game um you know sometimes life gets really busy and we just you know have our mind on other things and and sometimes it just may not be a good time to to play and and it's okay to say that you know but uh it's important to to say that you know what it is that you need out of the game, both as a player and as a DM. Um, so yeah, regular check-ins.
0: You know what? I said I didn't have anything, but (laughs) Luna, you're talking about session zero, and I think that this is an this is an interesting thing to think about with new players. Because originally I feel like if you were to ask me, if I didn't give it too much thought, I would say no, I wouldn't have a session zero with new players as their first Step into the game, but the more that I think about it, I I, I think it's necessary, especially to talk about. I, I'm torn. I don't know because yeah, if you because feel-
1: they, they want the experience, right? You don't want to like have a whole detour, but at the same time, like Luna just said, you kind of have to brief them. You have to make sure they they know what they're getting it's, it's themselves into, and you have to learn about them in order to game master for them. So it's yeah, it's. I guess session zero is probably the safe way to go, right? If you talk about subjects of like what you said, Luna, about like maybe sensitive things or safe tools or you
0: know, any yeah, kind of yeah. it's probably maybe calling, it, maybe calling it session zero is what's turning me off on it because yeah, maybe maybe it's like yeah. a thirty minute pre brief to the game and then you can have the deep session zero if they liked it, you it's know, a deep game.
1: It's the mirror yeah. thing you got with your yeah 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 it ha- it may be casual right otherwise it might scare them to be like yeah okay, definitely God, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna set our expectations.
0: yeah yeah here's you my list of that. rules yeah you have to sign off <laughs> blood <laughs> oath you
2: know right <laughs> yeah no definitely I I think the term session zero is great for people who are like in it like people who do mm. podcasting and streaming and and not that I'm saying that people who don't do those things shouldn't have one but i think it just is a very strong term for something that you know having a get together like call it a get together call it a debrief call it whatever you want but you know just having that opportunity to sit down and say uh you know this is my expectation of you as players this is our expectation of you as a dm um whatever you call it I think, I think the idea of doing like a 30 minute conversation beforehand and then a debrief after for the, for first time players is a great idea. So I think, uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really good way to do it because then they have a better sense of like, okay, this really worked. This did not work so well for me, as opposed to just saying, I, I don't know what, what's going to work for me me because they've never done it before
0: yeah yeah and it might it might like chris said it might be intimidating too to be like this is this these are this is the way i run my game this is the way that the players these are the expectations that players have i mean honestly i've been playing i've been in this hobby for such a long time half the time i don't even know what my expectations are so it's like (laughs) i think i know what i want and then something happens and i'm like oh that's really cool i would have never thought i wanted that so it's 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 really hard um Personally, I think it would be putting pressure on these new players to be like, what do you want out of my game? Tell me what you want out of my game. (laughs) And I know you're not saying that, Luna. I'm exaggerating for the sake of it. Yeah, no, no. I think it's
1: also during the game. We're talking before and after, but like, when someone is like, I am a wizard, I throw a fireball, and for some reason, I don't... You want to dispel it, or I don't know, like, there's something that happens and what they... They wanted to do maybe not fireball but you know like there's some spells that need to be like very in a very specific situation in order to to actually work um for them to be like oh i i thought that worked like this I, I i was going for the feeling of destroying this exploding but you you told me it didn't work like that and like to voice it and not just be like oh, that didn't work that that that's not cool and and then and you know like disengage I think to prep your player to say, like, you know, if I make a call, you're not sure, and you feel, say, bring it up. It's an open mm-hmm. table, and we can mm-hmm. pause the game. And, and, and that comes back to what Luna said about explaining why things work the way they work, uh, to explain, like, this is why the call was made that way, right? And then, then it's easier to continue, and they, they don't get this maybe bad feeling in their mouth, which is kind of a mood killer, I think I don't think it happens that often but it's it's good to have an open table. Cool. I think we're awesome. done.
0: <laughs> yeah, any any last any last words of wisdom? Take that as a no. All right, so then in that case before we start doing the wrap up for the show, Luna, thank you so much for being here today. Um is there you know anything that you want to plug in for the listeners about your 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 channels any projects you're working on the floor is yours to
2: Oh my god shout goodness. out
0: everything you want
2: everything I want um no, <laughs> Okay well yes I am a uh, gamer mom luna on all social media Twitch Twitter Instagram Facebook probably some other places that I can't remember right now and um I am one of the co-owners and uh, founders of Shared Experience, uh, twitch.tv forward slash shared underscore experience. Uh, we are a TTRPG streaming community. We uh, recently wrapped up a weekend-long uh, Extra Life TTRPG streaming, uh, what did we call it? Our uh, Our Extra Life Charity Stream Weekend Extravaganza. And uh, we did 24 hours over the course of three days of TTRPG content and uh, raised just over $1,000 for Extra Life. So that was really exciting. Um, And so coming up, we really just have our regular streams right now. Sunday night, we have uh, Tales from the Tavern, which is a weekly TTRPG talk show where I bring on five guests and uh, chat drives the questions. They ask us the questions and our conversation all goes around, um, you know, things that they ask. Uh, Tuesday nights, are I'm not in it, but we have a, um, a Star Wars Fantasy Flight Edge of the Empire game called Ripples in the Gray, which is DM'd by Atomic Zero and has a fantastic cast. And then on Wednesday night is Fifty Shades of Crimson, which is our Pathfinder first edition adventure. And um, that one is is a lot of fun as well. We have a, a great group to playing that one. Um, and we ha- we also are going to have a couple of one shots coming up in the future, too. Streamed one shots showcasing, um, you know, some playtest material from TTRPG writers, uh, or you know, people who are, um, uh, you know, looking to get uh, some content published. And then, um, me personally, a project that I am. Getting ready to wrap up, uh, I was a writer on a D&D 5e supplement called Villagers, which is going to be available on the DMs Guild uh, sometime, sometime before the end of the summer. And uh, that is all um, NPCs who seem like regular villagers but have some deep, dark secrets, so uh, people that you can pick up and place in your games to help uh, add some additional content there. So be on the lookout for that. And I think that's all the big stuff that I have going on right now. But thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Our pleasure, Luna. And Villinger sounds super cool. I can't wait to. Can't. When did you say that's coming out?
2: Ah, uh, should be dropping on the DM skilled sometime this summer. We're in the editing phase right now, so it shouldn't be too much longer. All the artwork is done. It looks fantastic. Um, it's by. Uh, the same, well not totally the same team, but the same uh, production uh, people who brought uh, disaster hamsters together, so if you haven't checked that out, that was put out by Hooks and Company and um, so we are working uh, I'm working with them to, to put that out as well. Oh, I do have one other thing, I'm sorry, I totally forgot um, starting recording in about two months, I'm actually going to be part of a YouTube series called the Tournament of Doors that's going to be a 5e campaign That's based on um, a massive tournament where people are coming from all over the D&D multiverse. Um, Basically, we were told anything goes as far as character construction. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out. And uh, we have four groups that are all going to be competing in this tournament. Uh, There's 16 players and one DM. Uh, Obviously not all recording at the same time, but um, that will be coming out on YouTube we're gonna start recording probably in september so anytime cool. after that
0: <laughs> awesome for some reason i'm getting like monster incorporated vibes where like the doors are coming down and like the people <laughs> are coming through anyway. that's
2: fantastic <laughs> i love that idea
0: <laughs> that, that sounds really neat well yeah thank thank you luna the pleasure is all ours uh we're, we're pleased to have you it was a fun conversation and hopefully you know we can stay in touch and we can have other Absolutely. conversations yeah um so for those of you listening, if you do have any questions for us or for Luna about new players or about anything you know you heard today or, or anything tabletop RPG related, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat.
1: Or we have an email that's contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. Cool. So uh, that was a cool discussion. We talked about tropes, adjusting to the audience, uh, you know, a little bit of role play, how the maybe introducing some players with the one shot is a good idea. Uh, having clear objective, uh, don't be passive, have fun and communicate.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so hopefully you guys out there and you girls and everybody out there can have a good time playing role-playing games. And we'd love to hear your stories about, uh, about new players that you've introduced. Grow this hobby as big as we can. Let's, let's make this family huge. But, uh, but yeah, with that, let's call it a chat.